Welcome back to the NBC Network, iHealth Radio, the iHealth Channel, The Works, with your host, Hurricane H. Today, an exciting show, a different angle on the discussions we've always had, you know, and this is going to be a little bit of interesting uh, of a concept that that's new to me. I mean, I, I've probably seen it, you know, but I would have not thought about it as being a practice that is very common and as we're going to discover today. Uh, my guest today is going to, first of all, he's an awesome guest. I mean, he's He's done a lot and uh, he's worked with some of the biggest, you know, probably enterprises in the nation and if not in the world, including NASA and other companies. Uh, he's worked for many, 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 many years with uh, the Tony Robinson's, you know, stuff. So, so I mean, it's, it's pretty, you know, interesting discussion we're going to have today. And especially we're going to talk about the background where, where, where our guest today got his start. So, so without any further ado, I have Dave Albin the CEO of Firework Academy, or, um, yeah, so that's it. Fire walk, as it sounds. Fire walk. Like, sounds interesting. Walking on fire. Dave, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hurricane. I've been, I've been looking forward to this, man, so I'm real glad yeah. to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, no, my pleasure. Well, so so first things first. I mean, I, I read your bio, and and it's pretty impressive how live, you know, plays in, 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 in our world today, right? Everybody's got a yeah. story. Your story is pretty interesting, and many could relate to that story, especially in your early days, yeah. and and where you wind up, and how things turn out, and then how you stumbled into something that made a difference, that changed your life, uh, and it got you to where you are today. So that that's really where we're going to start. Sure. And by the way, I I I you and I had a brief discussion. I love what you had said, and we want to highlight today that you know what we're doing here is a legacy. To, to really share with people and inform people. So so Dave, your story started a long time ago yeah. when you were, I believe, 11? Um, yeah, 11. You know, I, Well, even just before I was born, it really started there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's more interesting. Let's talk about that. <laughs> sure. Um, well, it, you know, what happened, Hurricane, was a couple of months before I was born, my biological father... Uh, we don't know exactly what happened to him, but he hurt his head. And to save his life, they put a plate in his head. Well, it also caused a tremendous amount of pain. And he used to say to my mom all the time, I don't know how much longer I can take this. And sure enough, man, two, two months before I'm born, he turns to mom and says, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. We never saw or heard from him again. So we don't know. We, we can assume that he probably took his own life because, again, he was in a lot of pain. Um, uh, from the plate they'd put in his head. So when I'm born, I'm born to a single mom. Uh, she already had two boys. She's living with her mother, my grandmother, in a one-bedroom apartment in Hollywood, California. And we had another cousin living with us. So it was a pretty packed house. And, you know, my mother came from, and I have no problem saying, the greatest generation that's ever walked this planet. She, her and her family and her generation went through the Great Depression, um, and then, of course, when World War II came around, guess what all the women were doing while all the men were off fighting the war? The women were doing everything. Literally, they built jeeps, tanks, munitions, all of it. My mother, my biological mom, was known as Rosie the Riveter, right? And what that meant was she built airplanes for McDonnell Douglas. And so they were a badass bunch of women, man. And without them, guess what? We're, you and I aren't talking right now because the women did everything. I always love this idea. Can women do this and can women do that? Are you kidding me? They can do everything. So that's what I was born into. 
Well, mom was working at the Roosevelt Hotel. It was a very famous hotel in Hollywood. And she was working her butt off. But it wasn't enough. There was way too many, you know, mouths to feed. And so bless her heart, when, when I was five years old, she went to her oldest sister, Pat, and said, will you adopt David? And her husband, Bob, they said yes. He was a highly decorated officer in World War II. He was career military, Army, National Guard. And so, boom, they adopted me when I was five. I left Hollywood, moved to Long Beach, California. And my life was spectacular, um, you know, uh, because dad was pretty, you know, he had a really good job. And, you know, they were smart and they budgeted and they knew what to do with money. And, and uh, we did a lot of camping when I was a kid. We used to go to Yosemite, Big Bear, Lake Arrowhead, Lake Havasu, you name it. We went there. And so everything was great. It was the perfect childhood, literally. And then on the first day of summer, 1964, um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm up early, right? It's summer, man. It's the first day. You know that like, right? You're all excited. You got your whole summer off. You're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm sitting in the TV room and my mom comes in and goes, David, will you come in the kitchen? Your dad and I need to speak with you. Now, what I think is going to happen is they're going to tell me where we're going to go camping this summer. That's not what they told me. They literally set me down and my my mom put, put her hand on, on my arm and, and she looked at me and she said, David, what we need to tell you is we're not your parents. Okay, well, what does that mean? What do you mean you're my, my parents? That's, that's like going outside and looking at the sky's blue and, you, and they're telling you the sky's not blue. Well, it looks pretty blue to me, right? And so that was a really rough moment trying to process them telling me that I'm not, they're not my parents when they've been nothing but my parents. My whole life, as far as I can remember, right? Because I got adopted at five, so I really I have little little thoughts about things that had happened before that, but not much. And so there it was. In fact, my mom turned around and said, "By the way, you know your aunt Dean? Yeah. Well, she's actually your biological mother." And what was interesting about that, I was like, "I don't even like her." And the reason I didn't like her was every time she was around me, she wanted to be next to me. She wanted to sit next to me. She wanted to hold me. She wanted to hug me. She wanted to kiss me. Well, duh, I'm her son. But I didn't know that, right? So it was just, it felt awkward. And by the way, I want to be crystal clear about something. She never touched me inappropriately. It was always, she was just right here, right? She wanted to be next to me. And I get it now. I, I obviously, you know, I, I understand that now. So that was a real interesting day. Well, shortly after that, probably within two weeks, they had, when they adopted me at five hurricane eights, they had they swore off drinking. Two weeks after they told me that, they both started drinking. And it got ugly real fast. This perfect lifestyle turned into quite a shit show. And uh, my dad, Bob, who was raising me, though he was my uncle, he was still my dad as far as I knew. Um, he got violent. He he was an ugly drunk. Where my mom was kind of a giddy drunk, laugh, carry on. She wasn't, you know, mean or nasty. She was just obnoxiously drunk sometimes. And so that got ugly fast. And they were, they went to the grocery store one day. Now, back in those days, you could leave your kids home. It was no big deal, right? In the 60s, it was, so what? You leave your kids home. They're 11, so what? Right? You call the neighbor across the street and say, hey, Joanne, Bob and I are going to the grocery store. David's at home. If he needs anything, can he come knock on the door? Well, yeah, sure. Tell him to come over. Tell him to come over now. Well, 
fix him a fried bologna sandwich, right? That's, that's what we ate back then when we were kids. So when they left, I knew where the booze was. They were hiding it in plain sight. And so I went over to the cabinet, opened it up, pulled it out, and, and, it, and it was brandy. And it was a half gallon of brandy. And I did the unspeakable thing, man. I wanted to know what this crap was, man. Why are my parents turning into these people when they drink this stuff? So out of curiosity, I filled a coffee cup about halfway, smelled it. Oh, it's brandy, right? It's nasty stuff. And boom, I drank it. 11 years old. And you know what, Hurricane? I never had a chance, man. I was an alcoholic right on the spot. I started thinking alcoholically, acting alcoholically. And again, I, I never had a chance. Well, as I moved through life, uh, you know, um, by the time I was a junior in high school, um, uh, you know, they pulled me in one day uh, into the principal's office and said, Alvin, you're out. We're done with you. Now, I didn't care. It didn't bother me a bit. I, I had that idea that whatever they were trying to teach me in high school wasn't going to change whether I was able to make money or not. I'd already had an entrepreneur spirit running through me. My mom, uh, Pat, that was raising me, she grew beautiful flowers. She could grow anything. She came out of the Depression, right? And so she had this beautiful big thing of flowers, uh, this flower garden in the backyard, which she'd go pick them. And she cut them at an angle, not at the bottom. She cut them at an angle. And what that did is it opens up more surface area for water to get into the flower. And then she would, she would arrange them. She had beautiful, she had, she could arrange them in beautiful arrangements. She had great eyes for color. And then she put a rubber band around them. She'd stick them in a bucket. And then she put a little bit of seven up into that bucket. And I, the magic of what happens with seven up and flowers, I don't really know the science. All I know is they last about two weeks. And so I, she sent me out on the street corner and I started selling flowers. <laughs> and so I started learning how to deal with adults, man. And most of them were men, you know, and they try to beat me down on price. I'm like, no, I'm not going to take less. And, and I'm like, listen, the next guy that pulls up will pay me the full price. Why do I need to discount it to you? Right. I'm not doing it. Well, Shortly after that, I got a paper route. And if you know anything about a paper route, that is, you are an entrepreneur. You are in business for yourself. Seven days a week, go pick up your papers, fold them, put a rubber band, put them in your saddlebags, load them on your bicycle, and go deliver those bad boys. And if you did a good job, they'd tip you. And so I love my paper route. Then, wasn't finished there, I lived right across the street from a golf course. So here's what I learned about golfers when I was a kid. They suck. They, they're, you know, they're just all over the place, right? Well, I would ride my bicycle around the perimeter. And guess what I would find? These little white things that turned into money. So I'd, I'd collect them. I'd go home. I'd wash them up, get them nice and clean. I'd go back to the golf course. I'd go into the trash can. And the boxes that they came in, I would take them. And then I'd go back and I'd arrange them. I'd put like all the Max Flies, the Titleists, the Wilsons, the Dunlaps. I'd go back into the parking lot of the golf course and sell them back to the golfers, right? So my belief system at a very young age was, and still is, there's plenty of money out there. Go get it. And so that's, you know, where my entrepreneurial spirit started was at a very young age. Well, when I got kicked out of high school, I literally went and got a job that day in the largest grocery store in the state of California. 
And um, I, I went into an apprentice program shortly after that. And I became a retail clerk, which was part of the Teamsters Union, the Truckers Union in California. So by the time I was, you know, 17, 18, I was already making over $8 an hour in 1972. I went out and bought a brand new Mach 1 Mustang. I mean, you know, I was I was doing it. Now, the other thing, too, is that I was making good money, but it was also feeding my addiction. Because, you know, I, I worked the night crew at the grocery store. And so I was taking a lot of amphetamines. And again, by the time I was in high school, I was doing hard drugs. Uh, heroin, cocaine, you name it, I was doing it and I was drinking like a fish. Well, that lasted until the early 30s. Three marriages. Um, in fact, the, the day that it all shifted for me was June 8th, 1988. When I woke up that morning, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm in way too much pain. I'm in physical pain. I'm in emotional pain, spiritual pain. And the only thought that I had in that moment was go load your pistol, put a bullet in your head and your pain will go away. Now, I'm not thinking about heaven or hell. I'm not. None of that's crossing my mind. However, I'm married to a woman who's got three kids or my stepkids, and I loved them. I adored them. They were really good kids. And the thought was, you know what? You pull that trigger. Yeah, your, your troubles are over, but theirs are just beginning. You're going to kill these kids. You're going to destroy their life if you pull that trigger. You can't do that. Come up with a better way, pal. Well, the next thing I know, Hurricane, I, I've got a thought in my head, call Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, what's interesting about that was I don't, know where that thought came from because I didn't know anything about AA. I didn't know anybody in AA. I'd never been to AA. Where the heck did that thought come from? Nevertheless, that's what I did. I called AA and I got this beautiful human being on the phone who have I've, over the years, I've affectionately, uh, I refer to her as Madge. And, and the reason I did that is because Madge talk like this. <laughs> you know, she smoked two packs of Paul Mall non-filters a day. Right. So she was a trip, man. And she was kicking my butt. Well, her job answering phones for AA, she was the gatekeeper. So in other words, she's the one who would interview you. And she made a decision whether she would call somebody to come pick you up and get you to an AA meeting. Well, she did. She called a guy named Lauren and Lauren came and picked me up and he took me to my first AA meeting. I went to four meetings my first day. I went to a 1230, a 430, a 630 and an 8:30. And this was an all men's group, by the way. And so when I was there, they gave me a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's called the big book. It's what it's called. And on the front cover of the page, they wrote, before you take that first drink, call one of us. And they put their first name and their phone number. And they, and they handed it to me. Well, the next day on day two, my phone rings at like 8 o'clock in the morning. And it's John from AA. And I answer the phone. He goes, hey, Dave, good morning. It's John from AA. How you doing this morning? And I'm like, are you kidding me? How do you think I'm doing? I want to kill somebody. And I might start with you for calling me at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and John's a really cool guy, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. No big deal. He said, listen, man, I know where you live. We talked last night. Here, let me do this. Let me come over. Let me pick you up. Let me take you to breakfast. And I'll take you to an AA meeting. And that's how it started. I'm threatening this guy. And he comes and picks me up and loves me when I couldn't love myself and took me to a, another AA meeting. Well, after two days, it turned into a week. And after a week, it turned into a month. 
Then I got one for, and then and once I got a month, I got one of these, a medallion. It said one month of continuous sobriety. And then I got one for two months, three months, six months, nine months, one year. And this last June 8th of this year, Hurricane, I picked up one um, that says 35 years. So I never had another drink or another drug after my very first AA meeting. Well, what happened there was at the same time I'm getting sober, I had insomnia. So I was up late at night all the time. Well, there I am, 3 o'clock in the morning one night, and there he is. Mr. Enthusiasm, right? A young Tony Robbins is selling personal power on an infomercial through Gumpy Ranker Corporation. And I, I couldn't stand him, man. He's all motivated, you know, and I'm like, and I'm not motivated, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. But he said a couple of things that got me. The one thing he said was up front, he said, we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And I remember thinking, well, my God, that's why I drank. I was drinking and using drugs. I was either, you know, trying to get rid of pain or I was trying to chase pleasure, right? So it made a lot of sense to me. But here's what really got me. He said, the driving force in our life, the way we make decisions, is that we do it out of inspiration or desperation. And I'm like, man, I'm pretty desperate. Maybe I should listen to this guy. So I bought his program, Personal Power. It's a 30-day program. So they send it to you, and it comes up in a big box, right? And, and it comes on these little white things. This is 1988, by the way. Came on these little white things called cassette tapes, <laughs> right? Some I mean, of your listeners aren't even going to know what those are, right? Go to, you got to like look. I got, up, I got a few you? of those. Somewhere. Yeah, you got a few, right? Ah, hey, you aged yourself, didn't you? Um, it's all good, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, if you go to the Smithsonian, they're there. They're right next to reel to reel and eight track tapes. So, anyway, I plugged them in. I went through the program. I did what Tony taught me to do, and it worked. And so I started making a lot of changes in my life. I, I, I was in a bad marriage. I had to get out. I had to start planning my exit strategy. Um, I started losing weight. I started working out. I started my own business. I started a chauffeur school in Washington, D.C. And so things were really, really looking up, right? I'm sober. I'm living my life one day at a time. I'm helping other alcoholics achieve sobriety. I'm now getting immersed in the personal development industry. And my life was changing so quickly, I couldn't even tell you. Um, and then one of my buddies was like, he's like, you know, he's in AA. He's like, dude, what's going on with you, man? Something's weird. You know, what, you know, you're all motivated and you're getting all this done. He said, what, what's going on? Something outside of AA. And I said, well, you know, yeah, I'm very grateful to be in AA. And, and I've been listening to this guy named Tony Robbins. And he goes, Tony Robbins. I know who Tony Robbins is. I bought his book, but I never read it. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you know, how often does that show up in your life, right? And so I go, look, man, I've got the program. It's on cassettes. I've gone through it. I'll loan it to you if you promise me you'll listen to it. He said, absolutely, I promise. So he did. Well, seven years later, this is, see, we're in 88, 89. 1995 comes around. Dan calls me on the phone like a little kid, you know, like we're going to go to the county fair with excitement calling me, he's like, hey, man, did you know Tony Robbins is coming to town? I'm like, no, of course, I don't have any idea. And he's like, dude, come on. You've got to go with me. You got me into this guy, right? So um, I'm like, fine, I'll go. Yeah, I can go. And he goes, great, let me call you back. He calls me back like an hour later. And he goes, done. We pick up the tickets at Will Call. And here's what they told us to do. Number one, hydrate. You've got to drink a lot of water. Number two, 
Drink, bring snacks because you're going to spend a lot of time in the room. Uh, be ready to play full out and bring a good attitude. Well, Dan, how much was the ticket? $695 in 1995. Well, I, what's that worth today? I, like, what, $1.3 million? I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of money back then, right? Well, and um, so, and, and just as he's getting ready to get off the phone, right, he goes, oh, by the way, oh, wait, I forgot to tell you something. We're going to be doing a fire walk. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, hell no. Right uh, now, I'm not saying anything to Dan. I'm just I'm processing up here. I'm like, no, I ain't doing that. And I don't even know what a firewalk is. Interesting, right? I'm saying no to it, not doing it. I don't even know what a firewalk is, but it didn't sound like fire and walk went together. So I'm saying no. And fear had been running my entire life up until you know this whole next process, right? And and so I'm like, yeah, sure, Dan, no problem. Firewalk, yeah, see you then. Well, okay, I, I knew like, okay, when you get there, you don't have to do it. Just, you know, watch these people burn their feet off kind of a thing, right? This will be fun. And so the big day comes, right? And we get there, and Tony takes the stage at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, the next thing I know, Hurricane, it's after midnight. I've been, We've been in a room with Tony Robbins for 10 hours. Remember, bring snacks? Yeah, if you don't, you'll starve to death. And so it's after midnight. All of a sudden, Tony goes, take your shoes off. And I'm like, oh, no, uh-uh, pal. I see where you're going with that. I'm not doing that. I'm not falling for that shit. No way. Well, I got a problem. I'm in a room with 3,500 people, and guess what they're doing? They're taking their damn shoes off, right? And I'm like, people, no, you're falling for it. Don't don't go towards the light, right? And so now I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to walk out there with your shoes on, and everybody's going to be pointing at you? Nah, we ain't having any of that. So I'm like, just take your shoes off. Get out there. And go hide in the back. You'll be fine. No one's going to know. Well, other than me. (laughs) Right? So, well, it gets a little worse. Because when Tony gets everybody, 3,500 people, walking out into this big parking lot for the firewalk, he gets them to start clapping and chanting. So everybody's walking out there going, yes, yes, yes. And I'm walking out there going, no, uh uh-uh, I ain't doing this. Well, it gets worse. Because when you physically get out there he's got african drummers so now here's the tempo right dun 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 dun. (laughs) okay it's a dog and pony show unlike anything you've ever seen in your life i've never seen anything like it in my life other than a tony robbins seminar and so when you get out there right uh, there's over in the corner there's this giant fire it's huge it's probably 35 feet wide it's every bit of 70 feet long and they've been adding wood to this just cords and cords of wood all day it's been burning all day probably 10 hours well at the end of the evening guess what it does it yet it renders and you've got this big giant blue flame pile of coals it's gorgeous right well how do you walk 3500 people Well, what you do is you lay out lanes of sod, of grass, three feet wide, 18 feet long. You take wheelbarrows over to that big pit. You load those coals and steel wheelbarrows. Then you bring a wheelbarrow in between those two lanes of sod. And then you take a flathead shovel and you sprinkle those coals on top of that grass. And that's what you walk up, right? Well, I'm having none of it. I am all the way in the back as far as you can get away. Well, Tony Robbins knows that the reason he chose Firewalk is because he knows it's one of the most life-changing paradigm shift experiences on earth. And he doesn't want you to miss it. 
So he knows there's people like me, right? He knows where we are. We're hiding in the back. So what does this guy do? He trains people to come find you. So I'm nestled in the back thinking I got it all figured out. Nope, I sure don't. Next thing I know, here comes this guy. And he, he makes eye contact with me. And I know Robin's taught him, when you make eye contact with these people, don't take your eyes off them. And so now he's just coming at me. And I'm thinking, what? Hey, dude, no, uh -uh, I don't think so. And so he gets like 20 feet from me. And he, and he looks at me really funny, like there's something wrong with me, right? Which there was. And he said, hey, man, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Oh, good here, man. Move along. Nothing to see here. And he says, well, hey, man, are you going to walk tonight? And in a really nasty voice and tone, I said, absolutely not. What do you think I'm hiding back here for, right? And all of a sudden, here's a stranger, man. I don't know who this guy is, Hurricane. I don't. I wish I did. Because that guy right there asked me one question, and it changed my life forever. And, you know, I wouldn't have gone on to, you know, work for Tony for 20, almost 20 years. I Google, NASA, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Microsoft, Heineken. You know, next thing you know, I'm on the EMBC Network podcast, right? And without him, I'm not here. And he said, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And I thought, yeah, I would. I'd like to go watch these people burn their feet off. Let's do that. That'll be entertaining. And he says, well, listen, man, you can't see anything from way back here. And he's right. He's telling the truth. I got 3,500 people standing in front of me. I can't see anything but a wall of people. So he said, look, just get in line. <laughs> just get in line. And eventually, you'll get up there where you be able to see it. And so I did. I took the bait. <laughs> okay, he's telling the truth. And I got in line. And all of a sudden, I'm walking along. I'm walking along. And I'm just kind of... And remember, the drums are going. People are chanting. Now they're firewalking. And so when they get to the celebration and they're screaming and yelling, it almost sounds like they're getting hurt, but they're not. They're screaming. They're exhilarated, right? It's it's unbelievable. So the drums, the, the, the clapping, the chanting, the screaming, and I'm walking along. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me and he whispers in my ear and he goes, he knows when you're ready. When he says, go, you go. And pew, this guy just disappeared into the night, right? I'm like, what was that? What, what was that about? That's just bizarre. Well, I'm walking along, I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, I get to a point. I got a 1,000 people in front of me. I still can't see anything, but I can see at an angle. And Hurricane, they're doing it. They are walking on fire. Uh, every race, every creed, every color, they're doing it. And now I'm like, I'm so mesmerized. I'm in a trance. I'm staring at this, watching this. It's kind of like... Um, you know, you see, a, you see a car accident, and you're not supposed to look at it, right? But you can't take your eyes off it. Well, that's kind of what's going on. And I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, all of a sudden, boom, guess where I am? I'm at the fire. front of the line. Yeah. And now I'm staring down at that fire lane, and the coals are there. They're bright red. There's a wheelbarrow there. I can feel the heat coming off of it. And my heart is pounding so hard, I, I know it's going to jump out of my chest. I'm scared to death. Well, there's a trainer standing right there in the lane. And he goes, eyes up. <laughs> All of a sudden, now I bring my <laughs> eyes up, right? He scares the crap out of me. Well, I'm in a room for 10 hours with Tony, and guess what he teaches you to do? Keep your eyes up. Don't stare at what you fear. The reward is right over there at the other end of the fire lane, the celebration end. That's where you want to, that's what you want to look at. And also, so I'm standing there, all of a sudden the trainer goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went, stronger. 
And I went, yes! Well, he could tell. He's a trainer. He's doing this all the time. Am I leaving a lot on the table? You better believe I am. Am I in a peak state? Nope. Did he know it? Yep. So what's he do? <laughs> he gets like right here and screams at me. Stronger! <laughs> so I threw my hands in the air and I screamed at the top of my lungs, yes. And he goes, go, go, go. Poo. I took off. Remember the guy comes up? He knows when you're ready. When he says, go, you go. I did. Well, here's the first thing I learned about firewalking. And I think everybody learns this when they firewalk for the first time. When you take the first step, oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth. I promise you, right? <laughs> you're not going to stop on that fire lane. Well, Tony positions two people at the end, and they lock arms, and they catch you, right? And they're like, stop, wipe your feet, and celebrate. And I'm wiping my feet, and I'm celebrating, and all of a sudden it dawns on me, I've burnt myself really bad. And I look at my foot. It's dirty, but there's no burns. Oh, it's my other foot. Yeah, same thing. It's dirty. There's no burns. So I just walked across coals that are 1,000 degrees. I did not burn myself. And in that moment, I had no clue how I did it. None, right? I think we've all done something like that, right? We do something really cool, really awesome, and we're not really sure how we did it, but we take credit for it. <laughs> that's right. You're like, yep, that's me. That's, that's this guy. I walked on fire. And it was exhilarating. It's you, you, your confidence level, the belief about who you are and what you can do just goes boom instantaneously. I mean, it's like, okay, where's the bus? Let's go climb Everest, people. We got this, right? And so it's it's magical, man. It's just a really a magical moment in, in everybody I've ever seen firewalk. Well, well, here's where it gets really interesting, though. The next day, that th this is a four-day event. This is day one, the night of. So now we're coming into day two of the four-day event. And we're standing in the foyer. There's 3,500 people getting ready to go into the venue. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was the most beautiful interaction between people that I've ever seen or I've ever witnessed. People were laughing. They're crying. They're hugging. They're communicating humanistically. You know, you don't see that in life. You just don't. And uh, so it was beautiful to watch. And so I'm sitting there watching it going, really? Did we drink all drink the Kool-Aid last night? Because what happened is collectively our self-belief, our self-confidence, and our self-worth all went up at the same time or within, you know, a couple of minutes of each other, right? And so there's a calibration of that. So the vibr our vibration got raised. And so there we are the next morning vibrating at a really, really high level. And that's exactly what Tony wants. Well, later in the event, I met one of Tony's trainers, a guy by the name of Ted Macy. Ah, what a guy. I love this guy. And his wife, Mary. Both were trainers for Tony back in the day. And uh, so I'm talking to him. And I'm like, hey, man, you get to come and play in this environment on a regular basis? He goes, yeah, I sure do. And I go, this must be insanely awesome, man. He goes, oh, yeah, it's incredible. And if you can get yourself in this environment, do it. And he, and he, and he says, see those people standing over the black shirts with the pink writing on the back? Yeah. He goes, dude, they're volunteers. They're just like you. They came to an event, did a firewalk, and have come back to volunteer to give back, to serve. And he says, so listen, man, when you get home, call Robin's Research. Call and ask them for a, a volunteer crew application. I did. They sent me one. I filled it out. I sent it back. And about nine weeks later, 
I got a letter in the mail that said, Dave Albin, congratulations. You've been selected to crew with the Anthony Robbins Company. Well, cover my ass happy, man. There I am. Next thing I know, there I am in Fort Lauderdale at a Tony Robbins seminar as a volunteer crew member. And, um, you know, so my foot's in the door, right? So this is where it started. And then from there, I, I crewed about probably five or six times, I believe. And I paid my way every time, right? So it's costing me two grand or something close to that. I got to pay my airfare. I got to pay for my hotel. I got to pay for all my transportation. Got to pay for food, parking, all of it, right? Well, my wife is like, who the hell is this Tony Robbins guy, right? You know, because I'm spending all this money and she has no idea who Tony Robbins is. Well, shortly after that, I got offered a subcontractor's position. I had a security background in a, and um, and a uh, military background. So they put me on the uh, security team helping to take care of Tony's celebrities. So then they started paying my way, my hotel and all of that. And they paid me, you know, a real small salary. Well, they did a very smart thing. They gave me a free ticket so I could bring my spouse. And I did. I brought her. She came. She went through the event. And after, after the event, we were walking on the beach talking about it. And she goes, okay, I get it. I drank the Kool-Aid too. You want to run with this Tony Robbins guy? Roll, baby. Get with him. He, he's awesome. I get it. Go. So she opened the door wide open. So that was all going down in 95, 96, 97, right? And then I became the assistant captain for the fire team as well as the security team. And then in 2003, man, my life forever changed. Uh, Tony offered me the fire captain position. And what that meant was... I was in charge of all of his firewalks globally. And, and in addition to him giving me that position, he also paid for my family because I homeschooled. He paid for my family to go on the road with us. So my two kids were on the road, six and nine years old, traveling with me, their dad, and Tony Robbins. Their, uh, their first event was Sydney, Australia, <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah, nuts. Uh, that was in 03. In 05, we set the world record. We went to London. We went out to the Docklands at the Excel Center, and we firewalked 12,300 people. Now, I say it's a world record. I want to be crystal clear about something. Um, Guinness Book was not there, right? So it wasn't recorded. But here's what I can say. That was the largest firewalk that's ever been done in the world, right? The only thing that's ever come close to that is another Tony Robbins seminar with like 10,000, right? So that was all that all went down in 2005. And then from then all the way to 2014, I'm on the road with Tony, traveling the world. An absolute magnificent experience for me and my family. And then in 2014, I had another very dominant thing happened in my life. I'm driving down the road, my phone rings and it's Google. Okay. What can I do for you, Google? Well, are you the Dave Albin that does the firewalks for Tony Robbins? Yeah. Well, if you're not under any contractual obligation or non-compete, we'd like to talk to you about hiring you. Really? Okay. Well, homeboy's a free agent. <laughs> you know what you got, <laughs> right? <laughs> Google's calling you driving down the road. This you know, come on, this is a fairy tale. It doesn't happen. It's total bullshit, right? Come on. Nobody's going to believe this, right? And so um, we started talking, and what they told me was they had a uh, they had a graduation coming up for 148 of their executives that went through a really intense curriculum. 
And so they wanted to do the firewalk. Well, found out they wanted to do it during the day after uh, their graduation and after lunch. And I said, guys, I can't do it during the day. That's a safety issue, man. I, I got to be able to see the color of those coals. I know the temperature by the color. Can't do it. Tell you what I could do to still serve this. I could do a glass walk. They're like a glass walk. You mean walking on broken glass? That's right. They're like, ooh, tell us about that. <laughs> so they wanted the experience, right? Get it? Right? They wanted to anchor in this experience. So that's what they create. This is Google. They know what's going on. They know how to change people's lives. They know that what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. This is Google for crying out loud. So we ended up doing the glass walk. Whoa. When I got out to Mountain View for the first glass walk the night before, we were having dinner. And there, I could tell something was up, right? They wanted to ask me something. And finally, the girl goes, Dave, can we ask you a question? And uh, like they were a little reluctant in asking me. I said, yeah, of course, you can ask me anything. They said, well, there's a there's a, a clip in a movie we'd like to show before we bring you on stage. I'm like, okay, what is it? They said, there's a, there's a scene in Die Hard where Bruce Willis has to run across the broken glass and his feet are all bloody. Can we show that? I said, you're my kind of people. Heck, yeah, show it. It's going to scare the hell out of them. And they said, well, there's one more thing. Uh, there's a song by Annie Lennox that says, walking on broken glass, right? Can we play that as we bring you out of the green room onto the stage? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, hurricane from there, man. I went back the next year to Google. And the next thing I know, I'm at NASA, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Microsoft. Heineken, Remax, YMCA. I'm I'm being asked to speak at high schools, junior high schools. Um, you know the EO organization, the Entrepreneurs Organization. Incredible group of individuals who support entrepreneurs. They've got 198 chapters all over the world. Incredible organization. I did five gigs for them last year alone, and I've already got two bookings for this year for 2024. So uh, coming up. So, yeah, so there I was, man. And, you know, so I started Firewalk Productions as the founder and the CEO in 2014. And no pun intended, but um, we've been going hot and heavy ever since. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I, I don't know what to say, man. I'm literally speechless right now. I usually talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you kind of like, you know, I'm just like, I don't know where to start, man. It's, 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 it's a lot. I mean, yeah. for anyone watching and listening right now, I mean, this 36, I think 36 minutes of of you describing your life story from the inception or pre-inception, literally, yeah. <laughs> you know, to to this moment, uh, it's it just tremendous value. I mean, we, I mentioned legacy, yeah. and there's so many lessons learned from from your story, right? First, first things first, you know, many people and be and probably have been in what you have been as a child or even through your parents experiences yeah. uh, and by the way uh, there are probably millions not thousands of children that potentially discover your story at a certain age whatever the age yeah. may be five six ten or even more yeah. uh, and i've had actually a few few guests that actually experienced that in their own life as when they discovered that their mom was not their mom but then eventually their mom was their mom uh, it's just one of those stories right uh the fact that you're dad left you know that your biological dad left and then you you were pretty much with your other dad but but you didn't realize until you were older and then the idea of addiction and 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 how it went from 
from just experimenting on something that you've discovered in in because your parents were into it you kind of picked up that one and how it kind of got you in in a bad way if you want to call it which by the way it does i mean yeah alcohol and drugs they don't have good outcomes no matter how you slice it i don't i haven't heard someone who told me who would, can even claim like hey i i i'm i got great fun with alcohol and drugs and everything is peachy it's gonna take it <laughs> i mean think about it right? it's right, gonna take exactly. it, it's going to take a toll on your health. It's going to take a toll on your life, your yeah. family, your finances. And that's if you don't get into a bad, you know, a super bad habit, maybe in crime and everything else or drugs oh, yeah. and or I'm in jail and eventually even death. So that's well, that. There was some of that. There was some of that. I, but I'm going to choose not to talk about it. <laughs> I, 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 listen, and you, you don't even have to. I mean, we know that yeah, we when, know. You get, when you go into this drugs, yeah. I mean, you got to deal with drug dealing and you got to drink, you know, deal with the law. You're going to deal with a lot of things that can happen. Yeah. And it can be very you know, devastating. And some people don't make they don't come out of that, that cycle. It's, it's bad. No. You were very lucky. And by the way, you yeah. made a call and whatever it is that, that got you into that, make the phone call yeah. to the AA. That's something that changed your life. And that first, and by the way, you, you, you said something about John calling you the next morning. I have to say like, you know, these are people that have been in the same shoes, right? They understand yeah. no matter how bad you have it. They've been there and that's where they're doing the work they do because they want to give back. And that's always something that you admire with people who have experiences there. They, they've been saved themselves and they want to save others if yeah. they could. And whatever it is, they're prepared to actually take upon or take on. So, so that's the, so, so again, I, I want to thank this dude. And I don't know this dude, but I'll thank him on behalf of and any dude like him or do that, that actually has, you know, uh, helped people, you know, to, to get from, uh, right. a bad point to sobriety and to success right. now that's that's just one piece the other thing that i was going to talk about that i i think that is worth discussing also for audiences is your entrepreneurship skills and spirit from day day one so so you had this this you, you're like had uh, two characters in you there's this character that's being kind of wasted in a way but there's deep inside there's this great gem and the great gem is that person that was willing to to do the business and do things and always looking to make things and you make things happen. I mean, when you're talking about getting that 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 car, that's a super hot car in the in, in that time frame, you know, <laughs> and, and and making not minimum wage at that age and all the stuff. That's actually for a lot of people. That's something that they strive and thrive for, you know, as they yeah. age, but not at the early end. So you were able to achieve. You're an achiever regardless of all the circumstances, and that's another element that I want to highlight is that. There are people that will find any excuse about circumstances, and there are people that no matter what circumstances, they'll still thrive no matter what. And they now they'll find ways. You did find ways. You you didn't sit yeah. there and like, oh my God, life sucks. You know what the hell? You took some steps, and those steps led to other steps, and so on and so forth. And then, and that's this is the thing that we need to be aware of, folks. As you watch or listen to the show, um, you just gotta take that first step. And believe me, it's going to lead to a second, third. You're going to go right. You're going to go left. You never know who you're going to meet. Now, in your case, look, I mean, you wind up at a Tony Robbins. And by the way, uh, hats off to, to Tony Robbins. I mean, he's 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 a legend. He's, you know, he's changed lives. He still is doing yeah. the work out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still follow his work. And I'm know. going, yeah, he's he's doing another far walk in Dallas. He invited me to come. I haven't seen him in years. And so, yeah, he's got a live event, another far walk in Dallas next month, the uh, uh, sec second week of, of November. So I'm going to Dallas to go to it. So I'm excited about that. Well, well, thank you for sharing. But here's the thing, right? So Tony not only helps people, right, in general, you know, for people to come through and, and 
be motivated, be inspired. And and I love what you said, inspiration or, or desperation. Both of them are superpowers. <laughs> you know, you get inspired yes, by someone are. or you are so desperate that you'll take whatever it takes. And and That's frankly, right. I mean, you said something about your biological dad that he wanted to stop the pain. Desperation can can lead you to extreme measures. Yeah. Uh, and and sadly that's what happened there. Yeah. On the flip side, desperation also got you to potentially save your life. Now you were also at the brink of ending your life. And that's the other thing. Like some people, when you lead the way of alcoholism and addiction and drugs and stuff, there's a lot of chance that you might wind up in that point of like, this is it for me. I'm done with the world. Now, don't, you know, I I am pro-life. I hate, you know, people taking their lives. I hate wars. I hate all this stuff. And I can tell you folks, life is precious. Life is beautiful. There's plenty of positivity we can give out there and we can help. You know, don't, don't think that there is a way, there's a solution. So if you know someone out there that is suffering, help them, figure out a way to help them, give them a resource. I mean, not just 988. I mean, there are resources out there. You have AA, you have other organizations that help. You got podcasters out there are talking and doing the talk. You have books and so on. There's therapy. There's all kinds of stuff that can help people. But, you know, uh, if you see someone that is not in a good place, reach out. Don't don't say like, it's not my business. Because that's really sometimes where people, they don't find anybody to support them. I, I was talking to someone, another show, and, and the an example he gave was that this dude was also contemplating, you know, and the life stuff. And he was just talking to someone and that person did not answer them. He was just looking for someone to listen to them. And that person was listening and that changed his mind about taking their life away. Right. So, so there's so many things that, that, you know, we can take as lessons of life that we, we, from, at least from your story, you know, Dave, it's, 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 it's beautiful stuff that we need to just make sure that we highlight and really take to, to, to take home with us because at any given point, life can turn ugly and, and life has ups and downs. And don't, don't sweat it. Don't think that you got it, that it's always going to be peachy. There's a point that you never know. I mean, we have pandemics, we have wars, we have things, you know, financial, you know, crises, all this stuff can happen and your life can turn upside down. And so you need to be able to face those, those elements. And sometimes you need a help, a resource, whatever the case may be. So you found Tony Robbins's, you know, stuff and, uh, you know, one of the experiences, I mean, I was what, like you are talking about the firework, your first, how you, like you're talking and I'm, I'm getting actually the, the goosebumps because I'm not sure if I can even face that reality personally. I mean, it, it is something that when you think about it, if you're watching or listening to me, I mean, when you, I, the only, believe me, I, I can see fireworks. I've seen that in movies. I've seen that in cartoons, but, but doing it in person, I haven't seen that. And I, I don't even think that I'm able to do it, but, but I know I can do it because people are That's doing right. it. And, 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 and it's funny because. There is there is a science to it, and there is there is a, as you said, there's a temperature, there's all stuff. If you run through it, whatever, you know, it's the goal that you your brain is actually focused on something totally different. Those are things. If you think about the fire, you're gonna be on the fire. If you think about the goal, you want to get to the goal, and that's real life. There yeah. are gonna be a lot of fires under Beautiful. our way, and metaphorically speaking, there's a goal that you go after, and no matter what the fires that are under your your feet, you're gonna go over them. It's you're gonna just run through, and you're gonna pass. That's just another way to look at it. But but the fact is, it's just unbelievable. Now, that changed your life. But not only that, it changed your life in perception and in, in, in achievement and result drive, you know, and all that stuff. But also, you just happen to have some backdrop and background that, that, that allowed you to be part of that experience. And here's the thing. Another thing you said that's powerful that people can uh, take from this, this, this show today. You volunteered. 
But you see, you volunteer, but you put money. I mean, sometimes you volunteer, you don't get paid, but you don't put any money. But you not only volunteered, see, you invested. People may think like, why am I going to do that stuff? You you gain twice. You gain through the, the experience and the giving back. And you also eventually proven success by being there over and over. You were noticed. You were given a shot at the next level. At the next level, eventually you became the captain worldwide. That gave you the whole world experience. I mean, even your family now has been taken, you know, around the world. And that's a great thing for your kids. By the way, homeschool is is, is a great way to, you know, sometimes to teach. Not Nothing against the schools. But if you're really on the road, there's going to be a very difficult thing to do it, you know, alive. So that's a, that's a great way. But it's also an experience for your children and, you know, uh, you know, for that purpose. And then you learned this art that you've developed yourself. And now here you get Google. I, I love what you said. Google calls you. I mean, Google is big. Let's call it for what it is. I mean, <laughs> and Google is, you know, when you spoke about Google, I thought about that, the, the internship, uh, the movie. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, 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 but that was, that, that's what Google looks like. I mean, that's really yeah. Google, right? You know, it's that kind of atmosphere. It's about performance. It's about being creative and innovative and stuff. And yes, they look at things that are different. This is different. I mean, walking on fire is not something that an average person is going to tell you, hey, let's do this. But, you know, I've been in the corporate world and you always try to find something unique for your leadership yeah. training or for your yeah. people to get them, especially in the sales world or or, or, or like people that are like, you know, achieving. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. You put somebody on stage and let them talk. That's not going to change their life. That's not how a Navy SEAL becomes a SEAL. How does a Navy SEAL become a SEAL? You put their happy ass in the in uh, in the water off the coast of San Clemente at three o'clock in the morning and let them swim with nine different man-eating sharks. That's what builds character. So you know, Google knew that. Google knew that they wanted to create an experience to anchor in that graduation. We did it with the glass walk. They wanted to do it with a fire walk. And so, company CEOs know this, right? They know that they need to create something that shakes up the nervous system. So, you know, like up to the point when I fire walked, fear had taken everything from me, Hurricane. It was just, it was, that's what was happening. So, what did it mean to me? Forget everything and run. Well, after the fire walk, it completely changed. I went from, you know what, everything and run. To face everything and rise. And that's been the theme ever since. So that firewalk changed my life that quickly. Now, I know you we were talking in the show, you know, people let know a thing about firewalk. And look, it's been around for a thousand years. Yeah. And just because you don't know anything about it, people don't know. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't there because it was. Because you can go back and you can see the cultures, right? Yeah, Let's take they- the Fahitians. Uh, the people of India, the mm-hmm. the, uh, the the Polynesians, the Hawaiians, the Native American Indians, the Portuguese, the Spaniards, the Indo-Europeans. The Indo-Europeans used to do a firewalk every night before the men would go into battle. And you had to do a firewalk or you weren't allowed to go into battle. And if you did that, you dishonored, you dishonored your, you know, your, your tribe and your family. So, you know, Viktor Frankl, I think, gave us the greatest example of what what how we create our life and the stories we create right we orchestrate our own life with the stories that we make up about everything that happens to us i don't care how good it is i don't care how bad it is we create the story we're in charge of that and victor frankel right man search for meaning there he was auschwitz every day 
They killed his family. They assassinated his family right in front of him. Uh, you know, you're naked. You're standing outside. It's freezing cold. You probably didn't haven't eaten in days. And every single second, you're wondering, am I going into the chamber this today? Every day. So you cannot even imagine how much stress uh, is going on in your life when those people were in Auschwitz. However, here's, here's what Victor figured out. You can take everything from me. Take my clothes, no food, naked, kill my family. Take everything from me. But there's one thing you can't take from me. And he figured it out. And that's my attitude. I have to give that up. You can't take it from me. I have to relinquish it. And so what did he do? He created purpose. And the purpose was someone has to tell this story. And so he got out. And that's what got him out was that purpose. And so he, so he could write the book. Same thing in life. No different. We don't have to go through something that hard, hopefully. However, it's still the same system. You know, because where, where intention goes, energy flows. And so that's why the firewalk experience is so powerful. Now, you, you said something. I, I, I'm so glad you said this and you brought it up and it's about the legacy and all that. Because where I'm going now, yeah, I firewalked. You know, Tony and I have firewalked a half a million people. So I don't need to go down that road anymore. I've had the biggest companies in the world come to me. I'm good. That's great. I've got all the notoriety. I've gotten all the attention. I've had all the significance. That's really great. And I'm over that. I don't, that's not what I want anymore. I'll tell you what I want. It happened because of podcasting. I just got into podcasting in the last six months. One of the girls that interviewed me several months ago, we got into talking after the show. She had a gala coming up for the Marines, 300 Marines. And she said, Dave, what's your price? So it's $197 a person with a 100-person minimum. She went, oh, shit, we can't afford you. I said, wait a minute, what are you talking about? She goes, well, we, I think a firewalk for veterans would be phenomenal. And I, it was kind of like the light bulb went off. And I said, well, wait a minute. What if I, what if I do it pro bono? In other words, you take care, I'll tell you what, you take care of my team. You pay for them to get them here, feed them, put them in an Airbnb, get me down there, cover all the supplies. I'll waive my fee and give me a shot at those Marines. And so here, so then that night when I woke up, I woke up in the middle of the night after thinking about this, and here's what came to me. And I love being able to share this on your show, and that was the do no harm firewalk. So give me veterans and give me first responders. By the way, the, the death rate on veterans right now is 22 a day. That's not accurate. It's more like 40 because they only count them if they leave a note. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to have them bring them in. I'm going to set them down, and they're going to take an oath. I'm going to have them raise their hand to promise to do no harm. Now, these are military veterans, so when they make a promise, they keep it, right? And why are they committing suicide anyway? What's the reason behind it? Because when they're over there, they're protecting each other every day. They're keeping each other alive. Next thing you know, they come home and they're fragmented. They're everywhere. They lose connection with all those people. Next thing you know, depression seeps in. Next thing you know, alcohol seeps in. Next thing you know, drugs seep in. And next thing you know, they have no purpose. They're taking their own life. Well, I'll reverse that with the firewalk because I'm going to have them, you know, raise their hand and take an oath. Now, here's where it's going to get interesting for them. I'm going to take the board break experience, right? It's, it's a martial arts thing. You break a board with your bare hands. Real simple. Any martial art, studio, dojo, they do it all the time. To go from one belt to another, you break a board. It's how they graduate. So here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to have them take that board, and I'm going to have them write anything that they need to move towards on the front of the board. 
Anything they need to move away from, I have them write it on the back of the board. And then I have them write anybody's name on that board that they're in conflict with. So in other words, if forgiveness and reconciliation is part of that relationship, it stops tonight. Stop carrying around resentments about another human being. It's not the way you move yourself forward in life. Let it go. It ends tonight. Then here's where it gets interesting. I have them write anybody's name on the board that they've lost. So what does that do? That creates a rite of passage. That allows them to bring anybody they lost over there in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever they are to bring that energy into that moment. We take them out to the fire. There's a fire going outside. We set up board break stations. They break their board. We walk them in a circle. We get them together. Then we fire walk them. Then they come back and they throw the board onto the fire. But there's one more thing that we do. And that is we calibrate their hearts. How do you do that? So you put everybody in a hard hug. In other words, normally we hug this way. You do it the opposite way now. And you put your heart on top of their heart. You close your eyes and you take three cleansing breaths. And typically, Hurricane, when you go into or come out of that second breath, guess what happens? Your heart starts beating the same, the same time as the person you're hugging. And then the next thing you know, you do that three or four times, you get everybody's heart to beating at the same time. So when that happens and that takes over, now you've got them. And now one of my one of the companies that I that I that I love, uh, who's helping me with this, is the Zippo Lighter Company, right? So they're going to make a 1941 replica of the World War II lighter that they did back in World War II, and they're gonna they're gonna black mat it, powder coat it, and then they're, they're going to etch into the lighter, do no harm. And so we're going to give them one. So Zippo's involved. And then the other thing we give them is one of these. All right. So these, these are the coals from the firewalk. So it would say on here, you know, I did the do no harm firewalk in 2024. So they'll have these as well. The other thing we're thinking about doing too, which we're going to do actually, is we're going to give them a medallion, just like I got an AA that says, you know, it, 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 we're going to put some stuff in there that talks about their oath, that they promise to do no harm, right? And then we get them into doing other things. Number one, when you transform somebody's life like that, what are they going to do? They're going to go home and, they're, and we're going to tell them, call your fellow vet or call your fellow first responder. Get them to an event where we can do this for them. And once we get enough momentum going with this, I think we have the potential hurricane to save thousands and thousands of men and women's lives. Now, what does that mean from my standpoint? I'm putting it out there. If you're a company and you'd like to be part of this and have your name branded out there in front of these vets and these first responders, get a hold of me. Let's talk. Well, I have to say, this 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 last piece that you've covered. It's, it's touching a lot of people right now, listening and watching. Uh, when you think about it, you're right. I mean, you you mentioned the vets, and, and there is a high uh, rate of suicide, and people are just taking their lives. And you sure. said there's, there, there is, there's, there's all kind of, I mean, they see atrocities, there's one, they come back, there's PTSD, there's all this stuff, and I actually yeah. I've covered that in quite a few shows. But then the other part, as you said, over there, it's one unit. You know, everybody's literally working together, you know, and say, you know, pushing and helping and you know really being backing everybody up but when you come to the real society back you know you're on your own anymore you're not you don't find yourself you don't find your footings 
and and that you're right. People get lost very easily in that in this uh, this society, and it's been actually demonstrated through um, psychiatry work and all you know all, all the research stuff you know leads to this. And you're right. There's not enough work to be done to help these folks out there and get this particular formula that you have. And I love what you said about taking the oath because you're right. They are honorable people, and they will yep. actually live to their uh, you know uh, oath and and promise. They will not you know uh, I guess literally deviate from that and so so whatever that is that you're going to be doing is going to change life and you're right you're going to start with a group and then the next thing is going to be and by the way this is also another thing about you you talk to her uh she she said you know we can't afford it and then you turned that into an opportunity for yeah. these folks and then it created a whole different idea to help so many people and build a legacy that potentially it will be the next level of firewalk and, and stuff and i love the, the 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 concept of board i mean i'm in the martial arts i i, I do break boards and, and and i can tell you it is it is fulfilling when you actually just go through that thing and just you yeah. know get it out and and you know that's the other thing like you want and and i love what you said you got to put all the negative in there and just dump that stuff you know yeah, in the fire like it that's it you, you gotta get that stuff from your chest and, and that's actually a lot veterans no veterans people hold on to a lot of bad stuff in inside we have resentment. We have all kind of negative stuff that we, you know, literally accumulate over time. And the best people are the people that have none, no grudge, nothing. I'm, you know, you did bad to me. Good luck with life. You know, I don't. I'm not going to take seek revenge or avenge anything or like you know, you know, wish you bad karma as it is. We'll take care of business on its own. But I don't want to be holding to that. That's not going to anchor. It just going to drag drags you down, and you will be drowning into it. You, it's going to get all those feelings and those feelings potentially yep. would, would hurt you. And then if you get into it, now you're like literally like bad, you know, in, in a really bad pos you know, position and shape. We don't want that. So I love that concept. So well, first of all, you know, I, I, I commend you for, for thinking about it for, yeah, for, for the idea itself. Well, you know, one of the things in AA, AA helped a lot with this hurricane for sure. One of the things that's interesting about AA Right in the middle of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions in the preamble, it says, when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. Well, I took that real serious because that's exactly what John did to me. He was, you know, he was committed. He was all in, 100%. Yeah, I threatened him, and yet he still came and picked me up and took me to breakfast into an AA meeting. So, you know, I'm a real intense gatekeeper when it comes to that. So that's a that's a big part. The other thing you were talking about too is that I learned in AA, and it's it's in I think chapter five or chapter six. It said it talks about the spiritual axiom, and what they talk about there is that we leave anger for those that are more qualified to handle it. Alcoholics don't handle out, uh, anger very well, and it says that if you have a problem with a person, a place, or a thing, guess what? The problem's you. Because you decide whether, you know, you're going to get angry or not, right? So I say all the time, how do you want to change your life? Um, you know, you want to change your life? Change your story. You know, I trick people. <laughs> you can imagine. So like when I'm on stage, I put a picture of a guy uh, behind me, and it's a guy by the name of Eric Weinmeier. And so the picture is pretty obviously, you know, obvious, the guy standing at the top of Mount Everest. And so I kind of wait, I'll talk for 20 minutes and I'll say, hey, anybody in the audience out there uh, who can tell me where my buddy Eric's standing? And you'll hear somebody always say, Mount Everest, that's correct. And I want you to tell something else about Eric. That dude right there has climbed the seven highest mountains 
on seven continents on this planet, including Everest, and he got to the summit of all seven. Now, put that boy on a mountain bike, he'll tear it up. Put him in a kayak, unbelievable going down a river. But there's something I want you to know about Eric. He's blind. So you know what? I don't want to hear your bullshit. None. Zero. If a man who's blind can climb the seven highest mountains on this planet, then guess what? Whatever you've told yourself about why or why you can't have something, it's a story. You made it up. So the bottom line is, you know, you want to create a story about your life, create a masterpiece. And so, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, and it messes with their head back. And I do it on purpose because I want them to think next time you're having that little conversation in your head about whether you're going to do it or start it or, you know, whatever, ask the girl to get married or, you know, start a business or have kids. I mean, it's all fear. So, you know, again, the fears we don't overcome become our limits. And so I tell people all the time that, you know, like firewalking, I tell them, look, if you decide not to do this tonight, fine. I got no problem with that. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do, but here's what I'll tell you. If you let fear make the decision for you, oh man, you're in big trouble because fear's not done with you. It's going to keep doing that to you because fear is a liar, 100%. Now, granted, fear's there to you know, keep you from doing dumb stuff and getting ourselves killed, killed, right? So, you know, you just want to make sure from, from a fear standpoint that it's there to guide you. Just don't let it become your jailer. Oh, I, I love this, this the whole thing with Eric. And you're right, man. It's, it's so powerful what you said. It, it's, there is no reason for anyone watching or listening around the world to not pursue whatever it is that they want to you know right. achieve in this life the goals out there the dreams out there and you just got to go for them and 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 the biggest piece that stops as you said is fear of the unknown fear of not succeeding fear of what people are going to do fear of not having this you know, the, the means fear of this fear of the other yep. and they never get started because they just worry about every single thing the other part is to, to your point is like the 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 problem as you said you have problems with people and places it is not the places you could, you could have bypassed the places. You could have completely ignored those people. It's your reaction to everything, to the environment that makes the decision. 100%. We make the decisions at any That's given right. day. We have a choice. Yeah. I, I was talking to my son literally today and I say, we have two options. We can go left or we can go right. We can do the bad things and we can do things. That's everybody's choice. We determine that. And then we, we will eventually cry about our decisions or be happy about decisions. And you're right. When people, you know, just face whatever. And by the way, as you said, fear is there as a guide. Obviously, we need to to have that feeling to understand yeah. to gauge. You know, it's a it's literally just a gauge for us to to monitor. But then there are fears that are are not really true fears. We put them there. They're like you know, uh, fictitious fears. I mean, the fact that I'm not going to succeed that's just that's not fear. It's not going to hurt you. You know, you it's going to make as we say, it's going to make you stronger. If anything, if you fail, it's going to get better. Because I like I don't believe in failure personally as a concept. I believe that's an experience, or another way to learn things. Right. So I've right. already made it in a formula that that doesn't impact me. Doesn't matter if I start something, it doesn't work. I just learned how to not do it and do it differently. So I'm okay. I'm always positive about it. So I, it changed my way, way thinking of things. So, but what I'm saying is that the fact that we are always afraid of everything, uh, you gave the example of Victor, right? You know, the idea of attitude. Attitude is everything. You know, yeah. your, your attitude makes a difference. How you deal with the world makes a difference. 
and sometimes we get listen uh, we are human we will have you know uh, emotions we will have you know bad times we will have it's just how we deal about it how we face it and you're right sometimes the like uh, the only way to to face things is to actually in, embrace them touch them you know feel like i i this is a true story i've i've stated this in a different show where i actually did drown i mean I, I got stuck at sea and for two hours literally i was just stranded in the middle of waves and stuff I got pulled by a rip current and that was that was basically ready to go and i got literally lifted by by you know coast guard level and you know got snatched wow. from the water just like you see in the movies and uh, you know the guy that did help me you know, we became friends and he took me to the same spot where actually that happened. He took me to swim back there in a couple of days. We were actually in the oh, same spot. Brilliant. And you know what he told me? We're we're going there. And the reason he said that if I didn't, I would never touch the water again. I would be afraid of, you know, swimming or being in the water. And literally I did it while it's still fresh in my mind. The next thing, you know, I know that I can swim. And this this happened when I was 18. I don't have fear of the water. I respect the water differently. I would be, I mean, I I would be cautious about things, but I enjoy it and I understand how it works. And, you know, and that was it. So faced my fear right on the spot and that's it. And and this is not a fear that is without value. I almost lost my life. And that's the highest level of, of where you have. And most of us are, are sometimes fearful of things that are not going to hurt you. I I love that. Gosh. (laughs) Yeah. What a metaphor, right? Because I'm a surfer boy from California, so we know all about riptides, right? Hey. And you, even when you're on a surfboard, right, that thing starts taking you out. And, of course, you learn when you're a surfer to to swim with parallel yeah. with the beach, right, to swim out of it. Mm-hmm. But, man, if you don't know that and you're caught in one, you're over. It's done. You know, the chances of them getting you out of that rip, man, you're – They can't get in. They just but, can't. Well, you know, the thing is, is that, that that it's like that moment for you when I had the pistol. That was a moment for you. That That's like, okay, there's a divine purpose for hurricane, right? Most people die when they get in, they get caught in a, in a rip like that. And you didn't. You were saved by grace, right? So, okay. So, you know, wh- what's my gift to the world? Where do I go from here? And that's what's happening to me, right, right, right now. I'm going to be 70 next year. Um you know, I take a good care of myself. I'm on no medications. I have my rituals every day. You know, it's like I get asked all the time, Dave, what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Make my bed. Absolutely. First thing, always, every day. What's the second thing? Well, I take my shower, and after I take a hot shower, I take a cold shower every day. Do I like it? No. Is it good for me? Does it feel exhilarating? You know, after, yeah, you're, you know, you're reducing all that inflammation. Uh, it's really helped. It moves your lymph around in your body. It's really, really healthy for you. Now, you know, one of the things I get asked too is like, so what is it? What's the key? And the key is don't negotiate with yourself. If you say you're going to do something, you say you're going to get up at 530 in the morning, go to the gym, then get your happy ass up out of bed and go. Don't sit there and go, well, I'm just going to push the snooze button and sleep for another 10 minutes. No. If that mindset seeps in on you, then you'll start using it for everything. I'll just do, I'll just cut a corner here. I'll just cut a corner there. Because here's what I've learned in my life. And I got, and a lot of this came from Tony and, 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 the, and the world of personal development. And that is how we do some things, it's how we do everything. Make your life a masterpiece, man. Don't playing small does not serve you. Doesn't serve anything. 
And so, and that's what happens. And that, you know, and we need right now, the, the amount of leadership we need in both men and women right now is off the chain. Um, you know, obviously we have a political system that's just, you got to be kidding me, man. It's got to be the worst thing ever. And, you know, it's funny. I, I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, and I love saying this to them. And that is, imagine we went to Washington, and we took about 90% of the politicians, and we kicked their asses to the curb, and we filled all those positions with entrepreneurs. Hell, the whole world would be solved by Thursday, <laughs> right? Because entrepreneurs, you're right. I mean, they, 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 we know how to fix stuff. We know how to get stuff done. Beautiful thing. You know, again, listen. You touch on a couple of things here. I, I, I know we're we're over the hour, but you know what? Hell with it. You know, I love this. So, 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 so. First of all, why I try to stay with politics, but I can tell you what you just said is spot on because you're right. Politics is a game, at best. It is it is a political game, and you have to yeah. play the the angles and this and the other and the, this bullshit behind it. Now that's their world, but you're right. Instead of dealing with that and you have a business entrepreneurship, you know, mind. It's all about solution, about, you know, creativity, about, you know, making things happen and just more opportunities. And that's it. As opposed to like, you know, who the blame is, who's that pushing this one, the other one. And that's really what the game is. You know, it's all that. And, and it's all about self, you know, uh, preservation and things like that. And business and business is leadership. We get it done. That's it. There's no... There's no, no possible, you know, uh, I, I don't know how to do it. We'll figure the hell out of it. You know, you come with a solution. Don't come with a problem. The problem happens. You can't do anything about it. What happened? Let's figure out what happened. Let's avoid that. Let's find. And that's a whole different spirit. And that's the thing. And you, again, you come from the world of personal development. This is personal development. This discussion and can help someone right now get pumped easily just by listening to you. And, and that's really the thing. It's a whole different way of thinking about things. I love what you said when you you stated about the stuff stemmed from AA, and uh, you know you you put you you showed the the actual thirty five years of sobriety, you know uh, you know coin there, and I love what you said. Now now in in the veterans program that you're gonna do, you're gonna use the same concept and have that. Those are awards that people you know literally look up to. I mean, believe simple things. It could be just a certificate of achievement. And it gives a momentum. It's it's something that you remember. You're like, oh, I was able to achieve something. It's there. You go. That's it. So, what I what what you can do is is you have them put it in your hand, and I want you to squeeze it as hard as you can, and and feel as much pain as possible, because if you take your life, that's what your family's going to feel. Because you're not killing yourself, you're killing everyone around you. You're here for a purpose. There's no accidents here. So you took an oath. You promised. Well, thank we're gonna you. We're going to we're going to hold you to it, right? And by the way, Dave, that, that's that's another point that's big. Is that we always look at us as just being us. There's no us. Me personally is a whole bunch of people around me. Right. I affect everybody that is that is that is in touch with me, no matter what. So if I take my life. I am affecting other people. If I do bad, I am affecting other people. If I do good, I'm affecting. We influence people one way or the other. So it could be good or it could be bad. What we're doing right now, you and I, we are putting something that is positive in this world. Hopefully, it will touch hearts and people's lives and maybe make them change their way of living or whatever the case may be in a positive way. That's the whole thing. We just want to make sure that someone somewhere is better. And, and, that there is, and that's a feeling that is unique. And anyone watching, if you can help into this aspect of life where you can impact someone in a positive way, 
there's no reward. You don't even expect things in, you know, in return. You just do it and you will know that it's happening. I know it's happening. Someone somewhere is benefiting from this today, 10 years from now. I mean, again, your stuff that you've done, all these folks that you got on the fireworks, you know, over the years, half a million or whatever, those people are all, you know, touched by that and they've all contributed positively somewhere. You don't even know most of these people. You don't even have a connection with these people now. Maybe you do. I don't know. But but the fact is, you've touched them. They moved on, and they will never you know forget that experience they had. Right. And they there will continue. Go. That's yep. it. It's it's there with them, and then they will re-give that experience to other people. You know, that's the other. They refer other people. They will talk about it. They probably impact. You know, talking about executives and leaders, right? You know, whatever that experience. I mean, I I I I've trained teams and things like that, and I've led teams. And when you do exercise like these things. It will impact the, the next generation of leaders. Now you build other people's spirits and make them different. And and you touched something that is important. You talked about the Navy SEALs, for example. You don't get tough. You don't get to be the best of the best by by being in the comfort zone. Comfort zone don't do it. Doesn't do it. You you it's it's tough stuff or nothing. I mean, it is what it's like. Uh, the example that I always refer to is martial art. That's my world. You know, you don't get to be good at it without getting hurt. I mean, there's no way you're you're just gonna become nicely experienced in the martial arts, you know, any type, without having to get at least a couple of bruises and a few yeah. bones and a few sprains. It, and it takes time. And you know what? You excel with experience. You excel with the tough stuff. Now, if you choose the easy way out, you're never gonna be better at it. And that's all there is. Now, you, you, I love what you said about your system. You wake up. You have a certain regime regimen every day. Yeah. You get up. Boom bed shower <laughs> you talked about hot and cold showers that's actually medically speaking you know it's a big thing i mean it helps it is a big thing and by the way god bless you man you're almost 70 you look like in the 50s easily you know so you're looking good bro <laughs> i'll have to say whatever it is it's working keep it up and i hope that you know i get contagious <laughs> i get your your contaminated whatever <laughs> you know give me some of that stuff man give me some of that i i need that right but that's yeah. really it's important for people again and by the way you can probably get the energy from the discussion we have uh this is also something that keeps you motivated keeps you positive keeps you healthier physically mentally every time you hear something like this at least me this is like you listen to tony robbins i'm listening to you and to him through you now and and, and because this there's a part of his legacy with you as well you know when you think about these things right it's it just keeps going and it pumps people you know and i'm getting pumped i'm sure i'm gonna pump some other people and i'm gonna take this and i'll be using some of this stuff in a different discussion mm -hmm. and that's how it is we all kind of feed off each other and help each other in a positive way and we can do that. And there's a lot of you out there listening, watching that can do exactly that by taking this information, sharing. And by the way, as Dave said, if anyone has a circle of veterans and once or you're in the corporate world and you want to be part of this experience, you know, do reach out to Dave and I'll, I'll have the link, you know, to Dave's connection so you can connect with him directly and let, listen, let's let's help people and help ourselves as well. And, you know, keep some some positive in this world. That's all I have to say. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, I, you know, I know we've exceeded time, but, you know, what the hell with it, as I said. So any last words of wisdom you want to keep our audiences today with? Um, sure. Um, you know, it really comes down to, you know, let's stop looking for heroes and be one. There's a hero living in all of us, and it's there. And, you know, I believe there's a molecule of magnificence inside all of us. You know, I'm talking about helping veterans, and, you know, and I'm and I'm asking every, anybody – 
and everybody to come help me. And, you know, there'll be companies out there and they write checks and some people can do certain things. And, you know, somebody might be listening to this podcast right now and going, Dave, I, do, I just don't have the resources right now. I can't do this or I can't do that. Well, here's what you can do. You can go spread the word. You can take, you can subscribe to your channel and then you can copy and paste and go put that on your Facebook. And maybe somebody, you know, watching it there or some big corporation who needs needs to spend a lot of money and they want to get their brand out in front of a, a really incredible cause like saving veterans and first responders lives. Boom. Look at that. So just do something is what I'd ask. That's a great advice. And again, I'll make sure we highlight that, you know, to our audiences and hopefully someone out there. I mean, you know, listen, I work in the insurance space and, you know, there's a lot of insurance companies that, that you know, especially yep. in the government programs that we work with veterans that could be a, an actual ideal type of corporations that can assist. There's so many, I mean, healthcare yeah. facilities, healthcare you know, centers or hospital systems. There's so many folks that can really contribute to this cause and, and really make a difference yeah. and help people. I mean, again, saving a life, saving humanity that's all I, I i can you know say myself about this um dave thank you so much for being with us yeah, man i i enjoyed sure. this My discussion. Pleasure, man. It Dude, was, you're, it was you're rocking it thank you so, sir i appreciate it let's do it again well, definitely man you're welcome anytime dude <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, all right all right folks so i i hope you enjoyed today's show and you've you've gotten a lot of good stuff from dave today and you know please do share the wealth share the information, share this episode with people and see if someone or if you yourself can help and contribute any way, shape or form. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, connect with Dave directly. You'll see the link on the description of the show. Uh, that being said, American Age, uh, you've been watching The Edge Factor uh, on the NBC Network. So we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. Bye for now. Wow, 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 wow,